And looking back on this decision to walk through an open door, I can easily see how present God was and how perfect His timing was. All of those times I prayed for direction and felt like God wasn't answering me. He was actually weaving together all of these points in my life to get to where I am today. Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope found in Jesus. I'm Robin, and I am here with Katie and Lindy, and we are your podcast hosts. And today, we are bringing you Katie Williams' story from Jackson, Mississippi, and she's the cutest thing. (laughs) You're going to love this story, but it's a really unique way that her story came to the Jackson, Mississippi team. So Catherine Cross is the team leader for Jackson. And when her son was little, he had cancer Mm. and Katie was actually their nurse. And it turns out that she was also the nurse to another one of their storytellers in Jackson, Latasha Stamps. You may have heard her Uh episode. And So when they were looking for a storyteller, Catherine just thought Katie would be great because she's a really unique perspective. She's walked so many parents through so many difficult things. And that's how Katie came to be. Oh, my goodness. I would have had no idea about that because her story takes a completely different turn. Mm -hmm. Her story is one that you, I think any person can relate to it because it honestly is about trying to find God's will for your life and how sometimes God's, uh, the doors that he opens for you are ones that you're like, really, God, do you want me to step through that door? But you know, the other thing that she teaches us through her story is really about God is so much more concerned about the person you're becoming than anything else. And you know, what's funny, Robin, you saying that because at the beginning of her story, she talks about how she didn't have a story to tell. And it sounds like she has another story within there as well. We might need to talk to Amy Grody about getting a story within the story there. Um, Anyway, guys, I think you're going to love Katie's story. It's going to relate on so many levels, and I cannot wait for you to hear our conversation at the end. And if you're looking for more stories, we have a Bible study for you. When God Shows Up, Stories of Freedom is now available, and so many of you have already ordered it. You're planning to use it for your fall Bible study small group, and we're so excited about it. Yeah, you know... We were, Katie, you just mentioned yeah. digging deeper into stories, and that's what this does. It's eight weeks. Mm-hmm. You listen to eight different podcast episodes, eight different stories, and then you dig deeper into those. You find out what God says through his word about each topic, and they all deal with freedom. And we have gotten fantastic Oh, feedback. my goodness. You know, that's one of the things I love the most is when <laughs> women send messages to us about how this study is changing their lives. You know, guys, God wants us to live in freedom. And I think so many of us are walking around as Christians and we love the Lord, but we're not living the freedom that he has called us to. So if you're looking for a Bible study to do by yourself or with a small group, this is a great one for you to do. And you can find it on our website, StorytellersLive.org. Here's Katie. My first live event was coming to Latasha's. And I feel like like I hear all these stories and I listen to all these women and I'm like, gosh, they have like a wonderful story and how like God has redeemed them or brought them through hard times. And when Catherine messaged me, I was like, I, mean, I kind of feel like I'm in the midst of my story. Like I don't have a sum it all up. I was like, I can't tell my story yet, you know. But then the more I thought about it, I was like, you know, I wish that somebody had told me a long time ago that this was even a possibility, that things happen the way they do and Anyway, so I messaged her back, and I was like, you know what, maybe maybe God could use this in some good way. But So I kind of wanted to introduce myself a little bit. I'm the daughter to two wonderful parents. This is my mom, too. She came to support today. Um, I'm the youngest of three kids. My mom tells a story about me that at less than six months old, my grandmother gave my mom a book about hard-headed children, and it was <laughs> quite obvious <laughs> the reason why. I was stubborn. 
I was a defiant kid, but for some reason, God kept his protection over me in my formative years. God is so good, and he put some amazing friends and mentors in my life during that time that really kept my path straight. I grew up in the church. I was active in youth group, and I was very fortunate to have some strong men and women in my life who have helped steer me in positive directions. In my family, I'm definitely the misfit. If you met my brother, you would immediately understand that he should have no other career path than engineer. He's incredibly smart, disciplined, very routine-oriented. My sister, who is also incredibly smart, was similarly destined for her role as an accountant. She's very driven, very focused, and she literally survives off a spreadsheet. Me, I'm more free-spirited. I fly by the seat of my pants, but I also prefer to work against the grain and bend the rules where I can. I gave my parents a lot of gray hairs (laughs) because of this. I'm slightly more creative, more think outside the box than my siblings, but we always joke our family wouldn't be the same without me, and they'd certainly be quite boring. I often describe myself as knowing a little about a lot, which doesn't quite help when you're trying to choose a career. I grew up here in Mississippi, where the plan for every little girl is to grow up, maybe get a college degree, but definitely get married, have a family, live in the suburbs, and go to church every Sunday. The pressure is real. Not only am I the misfit in my family, but I'm even more so the misfit in Mississippi. I do check the boxes for living in the suburbs and going to church every Sunday, but I'm in my 30s, single with no children, which according to the norms means I'm doomed. One of my constant struggles in life is finding my purpose. What am I supposed to do for the rest of my life? Where does God want me to go? With whom does he want me to interact? And my most frequented prayer is something like, Lord, just tell me what direction to take. Tell me where to go. If you would just shine the bright light on the right door, I'll pick that one. My particular high school was very career-oriented. Classes and projects were designed to help students choose the right career path. Our senior year, we spent the entire year researching a specific topic. The idea was to choose a career or field in which you were interested. As part of the project, you were to find a mentor in that particular field and then shadow him or her, which would ultimately help you determine if that was the right career path for you. I think the title of my senior project was something like The Timeless Nature of Black and White Photography. Definitely a bit defiant of the administration's plans, but I fully intended to enjoy my my senior year. So after high school graduation, I attended Mississippi State University and started my freshman year majoring not in photography, but in interior design. I loved it, but I was in a general art class that focused on graphics, black and white shapes basically. Instead of photographing these shapes, which I could easily do, we were to draw them. Did I mention drawing is not my forte? If you were to be a fly on the wall inside my head, you would see all the prettiest patterns and color combinations. But when I try to put these to paper, it's quite a big disappointment. I made my first ever C on a project. I mentioned before that I'm I'm more free-spirited than my siblings, but a B was not in my vocabulary, much less a C. As I scanned the room and saw all of the other work designed by my classmates, I began comparing myself to everyone else. I was definitely not good enough to be here. My graphics were too simple, too messy, too ugly. Against the wishes of my architectural design instructor, whom I loved, I decided to switch majors. Elementary education it was. I loved kids. I thought this would be perfect for me. (laughs) So, unfortunately, my Math for Educators teacher had some very discouraging words for those of us in elementary ed, so I realized maybe this this career path wasn't so perfect for me either. So, entering my sophomore year at MSU, MSU, it finally hit me. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I vividly remember walking back to my dorm room from class and talking to my dad on the phone, telling him I finally had made a decision. 
I wanted to move to Nashville and work for the recording industry. I wanted to work for a, a record label, live the glamorous lifestyle. So at the end of my freshman year, I switched to marketing. I loved learning about businesses and stock markets and advertising and all of those things. I really felt at home here and knew this would definitely fulfill my creative brain. When I graduated Mississippi State in 2008 with, with a marketing degree, instead of moving to Nashville to work for the recording industry, I moved back home and entered nursing school at UMC. So if you're keeping up, that's four different majors. And I should probably back up a bit and explain my process, my thought process here too. My mom stayed at home to raise me and my siblings, but when I graduated high school, she went back to school too and earned her medical technology degree. She was working in the neonatal lab at UMC while I was in Starkville, and when I was home for long weekends, I would go to the hospital and meet her for lunch. It was during one of those visits when I toured the NICU that I thought, I kind of like this idea too. I also graduated college in the middle of the Great Recession, so it really was kind of a scary time in the job market. I had several classmates that couldn't find work, and we were certainly in the middle of some uncertain times. Hospitals were hiring more readily than Nashville was, so nursing school seemed like a pretty logical decision. I knew when I entered nursing school that I could only be one type of nurse. Pediatrics was the place for me. The rest terrified me. Emergencies and traumas give me anxiety. Adults complain too much, <laughs> but, but kids, they're absolute angels. Specifically, my heart was in oncology, and the Children's Cancer Clinic didn't have a job opening when I graduated nursing school, but two years later, they would call me with an offer I wouldn't turn down. I worked in the cancer clinic for seven years, five years specifically in the clinic, and two years as pediatric bone marrow transplant coordinator. I loved it here. My community expanded greatly because of the friendships I made and the families with whom I interacted. And about one year into my role as transplant coordinator, though, I began having these incredibly unsettling feelings. I couldn't shake this notion that I just wanted to run. I wanted to leave everything behind and just start over somewhere far away from here. But I should emphasize that this notion was not because of a bad experience or because of anything anyone had done. It was this internal struggle I was having, that I was missing out on something, and that I had made a wrong turn somewhere and I desperately needed to make it right. It's also at this point I should probably back up a bit more and fill you in on a few other things that were happening in my life. While I was in nursing school, I became good friends with another classmate whose mother happened to be a seamstress. I'm pretty sure that the statute of limitations has passed, so I can admit this now, but she and I would sit in the back of class and look up fabrics all day. <laughs> Who cared about what was going on in front of us? I was in awe at all of the fun patterns and prints out there. I had zero knowledge about sewing or anything about the textile industry at this time in my life, and this piqued an interest for my creative soul. That Christmas, I asked my parents for a sewing machine, and they thankfully obliged. I spent hours watching YouTube videos and reading sewing books, learning how to make clothing and bags and pillows. Somewhere around 2014, 2015, I decided to upgrade my sewing machine, and I started a little side hustle that I called Mississippi Stitches. I was monogramming all of the baby things for my friends and coworkers. I was embroidering all the prettiest linens, tea towels, tablecloths, and more. But just a couple of years in, I suffered major burnout. It turns out working a nine to five job and then coming home to run my machine until midnight wasn't really what I wanted to do with my life either. <clears throat> I also was in a relationship that wasn't going in the direction I hoped. So at the end of 2016, I closed up my shop and decided to focus my energy elsewhere. I bought my first and current home in 2017, and I immediately began planning all of the window treatments and pillows I wanted to make. 
After just a year of settling into my new space, I had this longing to open up my shop again. I decided I enjoyed sewing home decor more than I loved monogramming burp cloths. So in 2018, I reopened my side business and decided to sell pillows and home decor only. So this kind of brings us back to the point where I began having all these unsettling thoughts at work. I was in the dreamiest of jobs at the hospital. The best hours, the best coworkers, no weekends, no night shifts, fun trips scheduled throughout the year for continuing education. It was an ideal role, but something just wasn't right. I was in my 30s, still single and incredibly unhappy on the inside. I just felt like I was missing an opportunity somewhere that I had made a wrong turn. I continued my prayers, Lord, just tell me what to do. Tell me where I should go. I desperately needed some direction and I was growing frustrated that God wasn't showing me what door to take. I had previously been given this book. It's called All the Places You Go, How Will You Know? And it's written by a Presbyterian pastor in California named John Ortberg. The gist of the book is that we are presented many open doors on a daily basis, and we make choices on how to respond to those open doors, whether it's voluntary or involuntary. He writes that oftentimes, God isn't concerned about which open door we choose, but it's how we respond once we walk through that open door. I wanted to read a few excerpts from the book as well. He writes, The Apostle Paul says that God chose us in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. This is from Ephesians 1.4. In other words, he says, God's basic will for your life is not what you do or where you live or whether you marry or how much you make. It's who you become. God's primary will for your life is that you become a person of excellent character, wholesome liveliness, and divine love. That's what words like godly and holy point to. He says this means God's will for your life will often be you decide. And he adds, it was a tremendous help to my understanding of faith and prayer when I realized that a lack of guidance from heaven regarding which door to choose did not mean either God or I had failed. Very often it was just the opposite. God knew I would grow more from having to make a decision than I would if I got a memo from heaven. He says, I am not in charge of which doors will be presented to me through my life. I may not be able to force a closed door to open. I am not in charge of what's behind that door, but I am in charge of one dynamic. When a door is opened, I get to choose how I will respond. Sometimes it's what you do after the door opens that makes all the difference. And he adds, in other words, often what matters most is not the decision I make, but how I throw myself into executing it well. It's better to go through the wrong door with your best self than the best door with your wrong self. Sometimes the way in which I go through the door matters more than which door I actually go through. So with all of these unsettling thoughts I was having, I kept thinking about this book. This book was a much needed answer to my prayers. All the requests I had made to God, begging him to tell me which door to take, which decision to to make, and what path to walk, maybe I had it all wrong. Maybe God wasn't shining a light on the right door on purpose. I knew I wasn't glorifying him in my current state, and I knew a change was needed. So here comes career choice number five. In the summer of 2019, I was out fishing with my dad, and I told him I'd been thinking about making Mississippi Stitches my full-time gig. His immediate comment was something like, wow, I didn't know business was so great. But that's the funny thing. (laughs) It really wasn't. My dad is an accountant, a CPA. His expertise is in liquidations. So when I told him I was actually in the red about two grand at this point, I knew he was already planning my bankruptcy filings. (laughs) 
Of course, this isn't true, and he was actually very supportive, as was my entire family. They were the most encouraging of me to pursue this open door. By the end of 2019, I had turned those red dollars back into green, but I also knew I couldn't survive on that profit alone, so I decided to take a part-time job as a school nurse that it would, at least, it would at least pay my bills while I figured out how to sell pillows. Leaving the clinic was one of, if not the hard, hardest decision I've ever made. I worked with the most amazing people, and the opportunities that were ahead of us were so promising. Walking away from this role seemed like a very dumb decision, but I also felt this burden lifted as I started this new chapter in my life. So here I am at the start of 2020, a new entrepreneur, trying to figure out what was beyond this door I had just walked through. I was working at a school four hours a day, every day of the week, and I would come home and sew pillows the rest of the afternoon. Things were actually going well, the economy was doing great, and I just knew I had made the right decision. School had let out for spring break in March of 2020, and I had noticed a little sales slump that week. I figured everybody must be vacationing, so they're not really thinking about pillows. No need to worry. <clears throat> that Friday of spring break, I was notified that schools would be shut down for the next two weeks because of this thing called COVID that seemed to be wreaking havoc all around us. It finally hit me that people weren't buying pillows, not because they were on vacation, but because they were stocking up on toilet paper instead. And two weeks later, I was notified that schools would not reopen for the remainder of the school year, and I immediately learned the, the word furloughed, terms like unemployment insurance and PPP loans and non-essential employee quickly entered my vocabulary as well. This was a very scary time, and I began to worry that maybe my decision to leave the clinic wasn't so great after all. I gave up a very stable income, a very stable job, to now potentially not be able to pay my mortgage. No one is going to be buying pillows in a time like this, so what am I going to do? I prayed, and I prayed often, and as it turns out, God works in mysterious ways, and His timing really is quite perfect. By the middle of April, things seemed to settle down a bit. Many people were now working from home, which also meant lots of home renovations. The design industry began taking off as people began creating home offices and redoing living spaces that, to accommodate their new lifestyles. By the end of May 2020, my business was back on track, and my profits were enough that I could survive without working at the school every day. So in the fall of 2020, when schools reopened, I returned as a PRN school nurse, which gave me more flexibility in my schedule and it would allow me to be in my workroom more often during the week. Fast forward a little bit, in January 2022, I made the ultimate decision to leave nursing completely and to depend solely on my business to pay my bills. Entrepreneur life has certainly not been easy and I've, made many, I've had many lemons beyond just COVID thrown my way. I've learned more about the supply chain and the ports in California than I ever wanted to know. And more recently, the topic of the day has been inflation and pricing increases, which are my least favorite of all of these new words I've learned. Even through all of this, though, God has provided. And looking back on this decision to walk through an open door, I can easily see how present God was and how perfect His timing was. All of those times I prayed for direction and felt like God wasn't answering me. He was actually weaving together all of these points in my life to get to where I am today. Sometimes I think, if only I knew then what I know now, or if someone had told me this was a possibility, my, my life might not have taken so many twists and turns. But I'm reminded that just as God knows the number of hairs on my head, He also knows my hard-headed self probably wouldn't have listened anyway. I would need to take the longer road, but He still used all of, all of my doors to get me to this one. No part of our lives is ever wasted, and God's timing is so much better than our own. That senior project? 
those fine-tuned photography skills have come in handy when creating content for, for my business. Even though interior design wasn't the right fit, the small amount of knowledge I received has given me so much insight into the industry of which I'm now a part. I'm still trying to figure out the elementary ed one. <laughs> Maybe I'll report back someday. Marketing. A lot has changed in the world of advertising and social media since my marketing days at State, but this degree has certainly come in handy on occasion. And if I had not gone to nursing school, I would have never met my friend who opened the door to the textile industry for me. He knew that if I didn't walk through that open door in December of 2019, I certainly wouldn't leave such a stable income at the peak of an economic shutdown. I think he also knew I would not survive mentally at the hospital during COVID and all of the restrictions. That unsettling feeling I had wasn't bad indigestion. I do believe it was a stirring from God, a stirring not to run away, but instead to run towards him. A stirring to understand that my identity isn't found in my singleness or my career choice. Y'all, I went from helping to cure cancer to sewing pillows, but my identity is found in the one to whom my heart belongs and he deserves all the glory. I wanna close by sharing a verse with which you are all likely very familiar but Jeremiah 29, 11, it has been an encouraging verse to me over the past few years, and I hope it brings you as much peace as it has me. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Goodness, before we even started recording today, we, we sat here forever just talking <laughs> about true. how much this story spoke to us on so many levels. I saw so much of myself in mm -hmm. Katie Williams and her transition from different jobs and different callings and different experiences reminded me so much of my 20 year old self or who I was in my 20s. And, you know, we talk a lot about tapestry. Everybody's heard the analogy yeah. of tapestry. It's beautiful on the front. And if you flip it over, there's <laughs> it's all a little the, messy, a little messy on the back. And, you know, this is a beautiful reminder now that I'm an empty nester, I'm in my 50s of how God just took every experience mm -hmm every detour and used it for his glory so that, you know, now as an empty nester, I'm sitting here in ministry uh, that I was, I was called to several years ago. Mm -hmm. And so if you're where you're thinking there's no way he can use the pieces in my life, he absolutely can. There was one part of the story that really stood out to me more than any other. And that was her sensing the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. sensing that nudge that she was missing out on something, but not sure of what that was. It took me back to years ago, really when Storyteller started, I probably spent two years going, God, I know there is something you want me to do, and I don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. And and just that time of that sense of missing something, and then having to be patient at the same time and go, okay, God, this, it took a long time, a lot of trial and error to figuring it out. You know, Katie jumped. Yeah. She jumped. She took the leap. She said, I'm going to do it. God, I know you're pushing me to do something and I'm believing this is what it is. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't work if we don't move. You know, Robin, one thing is, is, you know, you have to have that faith to walk through the door. You know, what we all often say is, you know, if you want to walk on the water, you got to get, get out, out of the boat. boat. <laughs> and, um, but you know, it's funny because th there's a Bible study to the book that she referenced in her story, Oh, the Places You'll Go. And I did the Bible study probably five years ago. And the biggest thing that I took away from that is that God is, is really not concerned with the best executed plan mm -hmm. that could take place. He's more concerned with the person that you're becoming. And that's something that I have to take on as myself, yeah. as an individual, but also as a mom. 
I kept thinking about her mom when she was telling the story. Right. And what was so wild is that the story kept recording long after it was over. Mm-hmm. And normally we hit stop when the story right. is done. But I kept listening. And there is a section where someone asked Katie's mom that very question. How did you parent Katie through this season of her uncertainty and changing? And what was so interesting was her mom said, well, Number one, when she quit art and the graphic design, we didn't realize why. Mm -hmm. And now I wish we had known then so we could have spoken Mm -hmm. into that season and guided her and spoken the truth. But she said, we also just really wanted her to make her own decisions and we didn't want to get in the way. And we want to eat that again. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, that that is a huge takeaway as a parent. We've talked about that before. Like just trusting that the Mm -hmm. Lord is guiding them. Mm-hmm. And not us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so funny that you're mentioning all of this, Robin, because as you're speaking, I'm trying to mentally take notes in my head of what you're saying to remind myself open hands with my children. You know, we're walking through something right now. Many of you have heard me talk about my son and the different directions that the Lord has taken him. And just recently, he's kind of opened up another door for my son that I was not expecting to be opened. And, you know, my knee jerk reaction is I want to go to anxiety and to worry. But I had to stop myself. Thank you, Lord, for the book of the elimination of hurry, because it made (laughs) me learn how to, you know, stop and pray instead of getting anxious about it. But one thing that you just said, Robin, that Katie's mother shared is leaning in and asking more questions. Hey, what's going on? You know, tell me about how you're feeling and really allowing my children to know, don't be scared to tell me your dreams. They're not going to disappoint me. Right. That's so true. We've talked about that. That just gave me chills. I know because, you know, we've said the questions you ask as a parent, tell them what's important. And if you can get to the mindset of of not having that knee-jerk yes. reaction, kind of a poker face, if you will, <laughs> because they are always looking to please us. I, I do mm-hmm. think most children are in their core. And so being able to have that comfortable free space of share your dreams with me. And then they want to watch you trust the Lord on behalf of them. And I think that speaks volumes. And then also, if you are a person that's single, or you're changing careers, or you're uncertain about your career, I hope this story gives you so much hope, Mm -hmm. knowing that God, again, is he's behind that tapestry, he is knitting away every single detail, and he can restore whatever you think may be broken. That's right. And you know, just one other layer there, is his timing is perfect. And that's, you know, one thing that Katie kept saying. And we're so excited because we have another story for you coming out tomorrow. Um, You know, we've been we've been celebrating this whole month in anticipation of our 200th episode. And so tomorrow in your regular feed, you're going to get a bonus story from Nicole Clark. And it is all about trusting God's timing for your life. I think you're going to love it. So be on the lookout for that. I know both these stories pair so well together Mm -hmm. that I think you're going to just listen to one right after the Mm -hmm. other. We can't wait for you to hear Nicole's story as well. Well, thanks for listening today. We hope that you got so much out of Katie's story. You may have taken notes. You may be encouraged to jump out of the boat and walk on the water. That's right. And in anticipation of our 200th episode next week, make sure you're following us on Instagram and Facebook at Storytellers Live Podcast. We have some fun things coming. We are so excited to celebrate and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.